0: all right everybody welcome to unscripted one-on-one and uh man i'm excited (laughs) i I even wore my carolina blue shirt tonight (laughs) um i I am excited and and i know there's a segment of my audience tonight that i just lost (laughs) and most of them live locally because i'm in columbus ohio for those that don't know most of most everybody knows that but i probably just lost a segment of my audience because i don't think they want to talk carolina or hear about carolina like (laughs) you know but if they know me they know my heart and so uh let me go ahead and let my guest introduce himself, and we will go from there.
1: Hey, so I'm Sherelle McMillan. I live in, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, in a suburb called Concord, North Carolina. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to be here and just have a, a good conversation. Hey, Columbus, you know, the two, two scholarship Carolina players in the last four years from Columbus. So that's more than, that's more than pretty much anywhere else in the country.
0: That is true. And we'll, we'll talk about one of them because I, I got questions about one of them. But so, okay. all yeah, right. so we'll, we'll talk a lot of hoops, man, because I'm really excited. Like I'm like a kid at Christmas. I really am. So, <laughs> uh, uh,
1: you've raised the bar. I don't want to disappoint now. The, the standard seems pretty high. No, no. I, you've been uh, and we were just talking about it
0: offline for a quick second. And again, uh, people probably hear this a lot now. I think I had a lot of my guests in the beginning. We're all good friends, you know. And now I'm kind of expanding that circle of people I've never met in real life, I guess you'd say, uh, as, as we were just talking offline, we, you know, we, we've been following each other. I don't know how long on Twitter and um, huge mm-hmm. fan of, of everything that you do. And, and, and I think I even said this to you, but um, keeping those of us outside of that North Carolina state, uh, you know, the state of North Carolina, keeping us informed on what's happening with the team. And, and uh, you know, I just, I know a trusted source, you know, cause there's a lot of, non-trusted sources out there on Twitter but man if I need to know I know who who to go to and that's that's my guy. So um tell us a little bit about what you do and uh tell us a little bit about your story, your family, that kind of thing and then we'll 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 talk hoops.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a southern kid, southern boy at heart. Uh, I've lived in North Carolina my entire life. Um I've been I've traveled well, so that's kind of sc- scratch the edge as far as living somewhere else. So I was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Or I was born in Clinton, North Carolina, which is really, really small. But I'm from a small town called Holt Mills, which is right outside of Fort Bragg. Um, my dad was in the military, you know, my entire life. He worked was in the Navy for 20 years, and then he uh, worked for DOD for, I think, 25 more. So like a career military guy. So all those things that you might expect from someone who was raised in a military family apply to me. Uh, yeah, and then I, you know, my I have a Carolina family. So, my brother went to Carolina, and before him, uh, my ma- a maternal uncle went to Carolina, and before him, a maternal aunt went to Carolina, and before her, another maternal uncle went to Carolina, and before him, another maternal uncle went to Carolina. So, uh, my, my I have a all my family goes to to carolina pretty much i had a little cousin who went afterwards and a nephew um who's there now so um you know it's something that's always been a part of us um i only applied to one other school because there was no place i really wanted to go other than carolina because my family had been there and and you know so it worked out uh December 1st, 1999 is the day I got my acceptance letter. I applied early because, you know, it's where I wanted to go. And uh, it was a great day. I, I got the letter. It was a big one back when people still got letters. Right. Uh, so I knew, I knew I was in. Um, so that was that was fun. And, um, you know, the best four years, you know, people always talk about the best four years of your life. Like they yeah. really were the best four years of my life. when I look back outside of my children and my wife, um, just a great time, lifelong friends, you know. People from high school, I've kind of fallen off from a little bit. But my college friends are like, I talk to them pretty much every single day. Yeah. Uh, From there, that's kind of when I got involved with the Inside Carolina piece. Uh, It started off as UNC basketball, as you know. Um, And so I met Ben Sherman, who's the editor of UNC basketball, um, about a year before it merged with Inside Carolina to become what it is now that uh, Buck Sanders had the football piece. And just got to know him. And over the years, we became... You know, friends, I, I dare I say close. <laughs> right. And, um, uh, you know, my goal for the longest time was to work in athletic departments, especially at Carolina. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of realized what that entailed and um, that it, it just wasn't really in the cards for me, yeah. then I kind of pivoted um, and I said, well, what can I do? And journalism is always something that I was interested in. So, um, you know, I had my journalism degree from Carolina and um, <clears throat> I had done some graduate work at North Carolina Central in Durham. I worked there for a while um, while I was doing grad work, and then I went to a small newspaper in southeastern North Carolina in a town called Lumberton. Some people might know that's where Michael Jordan's father was, uh, was murdered, um, so it, it's sad, but that's what the town is known for most, um, probably more than anything. Uh, so I was there for three years. I left there and went to a school called Fable State, which is an HBCU in Fable, North Carolina. I worked there for a year. And I said, you know what, you know, working in sports, you don't get to watch sports. And right. so that was another pivot. And so I left there and went into the corporate communications world. Uh, and that's where I'm at now. I work at a full-time, uh, I work at a financial institution in Charlotte uh, in the right. corporate communications group. So uh, some twists and turns, but the good part is I get to do inside Carolina work, which I'm not going to say I would do it for free, but you know, <laughs> it's fun. It's work I enjoy. So that, that keep, that helps me keep that work life balance by having something after work that I do that I really enjoy.
0: Yeah. And and you used to, now do you still, cause I think you could correct me if I'm wrong and and actually let me pause real quick. I do this a lot. That's why it's unscripted. Um, uh, let me pause because the uh, same applies as always. And a lot of people that have, that have heard my podcast know uh, the rule applies. If I ask you anything that's, out, out of bounds with you know anything that you do for a living you just say pass and, and everybody understands can't answer that oh, for sure. yeah. on. okay so yep. that's kind of that's a ground rule typical unscripted ground rule so um but didn't you used to do a lot of the recruiting stuff right on the weekends and the aau didn't you weren't you spending time following some of those players or you oh still- yeah i still
1: I still do. It's just that you know, there's there hasn't been anything this year really since uh, everything happened with the pandemic in March. Um, the NCAA has actually uh, grounded all none all off-campus events basically for recruiting purposes. So it's been it really has been an atypical year because normally in April we're out on the road. We're in you know, Augusta has a huge tournament in in July. Usually in August we're in Atlanta. Um, that's where the big tournament is. Then we go to Charlottesville in June, and then there's a lot of little tournaments in between Spartanburg, North Carolina, um, in, in uh, other small towns in North Carolina. So usually April through I'd say July is pretty busy. Sometimes yeah. we go out to USA Basketball in Colorado Springs. So um, didn't get to do any of that this year. So it's been it's been uh, for like like with everybody else, it's been very very strange.
0: Yeah, but you got to be home, and I guess that's you know there's always a, a silver lining of some kind, and you got to be home. But at the same time. I'd be dying to get out and see the guys. You know that's probably a regular thing that you do.
1: Yeah, I mean the first time in I, wow, you know, you know when you get the age where you say, "Oh, it's the first time I haven't done something in 20 years." Like you know, you're old. Yeah, like it right. just hit me. I was like, "Yeah, it's the first time in 20 years I haven't been out on the circuit," and it literally has been 20 years. So, uh, yeah, it's life. been strange. But yeah, yeah. But you know, we had a daughter. It we had a daughter the day of uh, the NBA lockdown. My daughter was born two days before that. We got home on the day of the, of the NBA lockdown. So it was like the timing couldn't have been, uh, you know, some people say perfect. I might say divine. But the timing couldn't have been better for yeah. us to get home on, on March 11th. And um, so we were going to be kind of socially distanced anyway with a newborn. So yeah. Things didn't change dramatically for us now that I'm back at work or I've been back at work for a while. It's been strange working from home. But the first couple of months for us were, were, were great just because yeah. we had planned to be home and and isolating anyway yeah
0: Yeah. well and i we and most people know this too we we came within a a minute of moving to uh to charlotte actually it was stanley Mm -hmm. we're gonna move we we found a house we actually oh i know stanley yeah we were gonna move to stanley so um Uh one of those things man god just had other plans uh we thought Mm -hmm. it were to move us to uh to charlotte and then last minute Mm -hmm. we we had a pivot as you say and ended up back here in columbus so um Mm -hmm. But, uh, and I, you'll understand this, nobody else probably will, but right before this, I was pregame warm up, I was listening to some Kurt Franklin uh, hero. So,
1: <laughs> oh, that dude, that's <laughs> right, man. That's yeah, that album. I love the album for a variety of reasons. Um, so, that album I think came out in early 2006. Yeah. And 2006 was like by far the worst year of my life. Like, now I don't say that lightly because. Um, we can get into it, but I've, I've had major surgeries and, you know, I've had a lot of stuff happen in my life, but, um, in a three month span, my, um, my grandfather, I'll I'll call him that. We didn't really have a relationship, but he was my grandfather, uh, passed away. My grandmother, who I love dearly, my granny, who's really the only grandparent I really ever knew. Mm -hmm. She passed away. Mm -hmm. My first nephew was born. And then my aunt Joanne, who is basically the grandmother of my father's side passed away. So all that happened between like May and August. So you brought up that album because I was, that was, that was, Imagine Me was like the number one song for me. I mean, really still ever. Um, But I listened to it nonstop. I just played hero over and over and over that whole year because uh, it was, it was rough. So it's just funny you mentioned that because uh, yeah, Kurt Franklin is my probably my favorite artist really, maybe ever. And uh, that album is my favorite of his albums and it, it helped me through some tough times. Yeah,
0: it's funny. I, I don't know why I remember that, but sometimes you tweeted it and I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I commented and I think we went back and forth a little bit because that is, that's a, that's one of those go-tos, you know, uh, that's a healing album and now mm-hmm. we're talking music, but, but man, that's a healing album. There's, you know, that that's a good one. So anybody listening to this, go find Kurt Frank von Hero, download it. You'll, you'll be glad you did. <laughs> so,
1: for sure. Uh, for sure.
0: All right. Uh, so um, you want to talk some hoops? Yeah, sure. Always. All right so man last year was hard Uh, well let me ask you this so you were there you said 2000
1: i was there (laughs) don't get me started because i was there from 2000 to 2004. okay and which is the worst stretch of (laughs) everything in carolina history i've done the math i went and looked it up it is the worst four-year stretch of everything so sorry go ahead
0: (laughs) no that's good and so just to give you an idea and i'm going to date myself quite a bit here but um i a lot of people think it's jordan or they just think I'm bandwagon, right? And, and people mm-hmm. didn't really know I'm not. Because I can name every starting lineup from the first one was JRE and King Rice. That mm-hmm. I followed. I started watching Carolina basketball when those two guys played. Because my mom, I, I, I didn't even know how to play basketball. My mom's like, watch TV. Well, you know, they have cable back then. Right. The team on, on CBS or whatever channel it was, was this Carolina blue team with this guy on the sideline. And I honestly, I, I knew so little that... I I thought they called him Dean because he was some per, you know had a position in the university. I didn't know that was team. That's true, right? right. And you know, so here I got this guy named Dean who I think is like the dean of the school because I didn't even understand college. I'm not that bright. And um and then there's this guy named JRE that had this wicked cool box cut, you know, and man, he just dominated and. So I started watching then and I haven't stopped since. And um, I think it's only gotten worse over the years, especially if you ask my wife, she'll tell you, Mm -hmm. it's probably gotten worse. I mean, look at the color of my office for goodness sake.
1: Yeah, see. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But (laughs) no, it's, um, yeah, it's, and it's now, it's a passion. My kids all love them. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, My daughter, and I don't know if you saw that, my daughter actually has had a pretty good chance to go. She's going to stay local, but, but uh, she's Mm -hmm. got good, good grades. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, um, so just so you know, my fandom—how long that stretches back? You're right; that was a rough period. Um, but boy, ever since then, they've been on quite a roll. Until what? The last—you know—we wanted to talk about the NCAA not violations that lasted forever.
1: Yeah. So you know, you said something since we're unscripted. I, I wanted—I wanted to talk about it and see what you think. Okay. So my my fandom in, in sports, like obviously, with Carolina basketball, um, it. I wouldn't consider myself as much of a fan anymore because I'm covering all these guys and get to know them. Um, So, you know, I still have a a vested interest in it. I don't know fan might be pushing it a little bit for me personally, but like, I find it interesting because most people they find the the teams that they end up liking are the teams that had access to on TV or, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there's some kind of familial thing. So I'm an Atlanta brave. So, Everybody's, when I tell people my my fandom, they're like, oh, 1992, obviously. It's right. like, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. You know uh-huh. why? Because we watched TBS. That's the only channel that had, outside of ESPN, that had baseball on every night. So American the Braves TV. were always on. And, yep. Right, right. So I had TBS. That's why I like the Braves. Yep. Dallas, uh, you know, maybe my uncles were front runners. I don't know. But my uncles all were Cowboys fans. And my dad wasn't. And I was like, oh, it's cool. Little rebellious me, at, you know, seven or eight years old. Like, yeah. oh, it's very cool to like a team that my dad hates. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be a Dallas fan. Yep. And so people, I just, I always find it weird when people like judge why you like a team. Like, who cares why someone likes, you know, golden, the Golden State Warriors? Who cares why they like the Celtics? They like them. That's, that's who they are. And there's obviously, most of the time, there's good reasons. It's not just like somebody decided, you know what? I'm gonna be a Carolina fan today. That's yeah. usually not the way it happens. Yeah. It's TV or or family or something like that. So that always bugs me, especially as a Dallas fan. Right. Dude, we've been terrible for like 26 years. So <clears throat> how can you call me a bandwagon fan when they've been awful? Like, what am I bandwagoning? I'm bandwagoning right. mediocrity. So right. anyway, it's <laughs> yeah, a sour well, point for me. I mean, mine's even worse. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a
0: Cleveland fan. I'm a Cavs and Indians fan because I grew up there. As you said, right. It's location. Right. Uh, the Browns, I, I was a fan up until, and I just talked about this on the, on the podcast I just posted, but I uh, was a Browns fan up until all the, the fumble and the drive, and, all that, and I, I just couldn't do mm. it anymore. Right. Bo, Bo came on the scene right at that time, and I needed a team, and I'm like, I like Bo Jackson. That guy's amazing, right. and then right. I fell in love with the Raiders, and to right. your point, everybody's like, oh, man, the Raiders, and I'm like, man, we have been horrible for <laughs> a long time. Right. Ever since the, the, the tuck rule, and don't right. even get started. Yeah, I'm still bitter, but right. ever since the tuck rule, we have been terrible. And they're there's still – anyway, yeah. But uh, I actually did love those Braves teams because I was I was uh, living in Indianapolis after I graduated all by myself. I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Long story. But um, every night I just turned on the TV, and it was Dave Justice. And all, you mm-hmm. know, you could, I could get on that lineup, man. I love that team because there was nothing else to watch. They were yeah. a great team. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant move by Turner. To- oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's paid
1: off. I mean, you – you look at some of the baseball ratings, ratings even today and it, it, you're kind of like, why is Atlanta, you know, in the top 10 or why are the Braves, a team that has national appeal? And yeah. that's why, I mean, for people, for people who were fortunate enough to have cable at that time, the right. the, the uh, Braves were on TBS for us in favor, it was channel 16 on uh, channel 16, almost every single night, you know, the yeah. entire summer. And that's what else was I going to do? Yeah. What else was going to do? So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to Carolina. All right. Back to
0: Carolina. <laughs> so, um, well, first of all, I mean, there's so many questions I could ask you. I think over the years, um, but it, let's not even talk about it. like the the NCAA violation that wasn't, you know, that was, that really was. And, and as a re- mm-hmm. as a guy that's been out there in that recruiting thing, wouldn't you agree that that they were on probation without being on probation?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think what happened was kind of you know for for those not initiated. Uh, I guess it was May of 2010, Um, people go back and forth about whether or not this really started it, but Marvin Austin, who was a five-star football player, was um, in Miami, and he was tweeting. Uh, Tweeting was still new at the time, and the NCAA kind of monitored it, and uh, that little incident back, you know, almost 11 years ago, 10 and a half years ago, started everything that lasted for the next seven years, so One investigation rolled into another, which rolled into another, which rolled into basketball, which rolled into another, on and on, and so forth and so forth. So I think as it became clear that the NCAA really didn't have, um, for whatever you think about everything that happened, they didn't have the authority to um, punish UNC uh, for, for what happened um, because UNC argued very smartly. They found kind of, I won't say a loophole, but they, they argued very smartly um, and they conducted themselves very smartly. And I think halfway through, once the NCA started to realize they weren't going to be able to nail them, the way to do it was to kind of extend things a little bit, maybe kind of, uh, you know, file another, for lack of a better phrase, this isn't how the NCA works, but right. if you're in court, you file another motion or you file another brief, you just kind of mm-hmm. keep things going. So, you know, I- I've seen a lot of times in lawsuits, lawyers say that you know people who have money they do that to kind of exhaust the other party, and that way they can you know get a more favorable ruling or uh, get a more favorable set- settlement or whatever. So, mm-hmm. kind of that feel is I think what was happening. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they struggled on the recruiting trail. Um, It's ironic that they also won a title or went to -to back-to-back Final Fours with the group they recruited during the struggles. But um, they couldn't get top 10 guys on campus hardly. You know, um, there were people who I know would have committed to Carolina uh, if this was, you know, 2011 or if it was now. Uh, based upon their profile, who wouldn't give them the time of day, as as old the old folks would say. Right. Um, so it, it it was it was very interesting and in how they kind of worked around it. What they did, um, it was a little bit of a pivot, but there were players who they genuinely genuinely liked, like Marcus Page, who ended up um, you know committing to UNC. he he, you know, I have a feeling. I, to me, he's the most important recruit of the royal era, maybe yeah. not the most talented, but he gave them exactly what they needed when they needed it. Um, and how they needed it, frankly. So um, you start looking at the classes they put together. And, uh, yeah, they had guys who maybe had one or two issues that kept them from going pro early. And when you have guys that are that good, when the top teams have to recycle and refresh their rosters every year, by year three, you're going to be the best team because of continuity and guys getting faster and stronger and smarter. Um, So I think that's what they did. But, you know, back to your original question. Yeah, it it definitely was kind of a form – probation and i think you've seen since everything ended so uh, i was october 2017 when the verdict came down that there would be no penalties or anything you know they've gotten they've uh, signed cole anthony who's a a five-star player they signed nasir little who's a five-star player they signed kobe white who's a high four-star player um they signed armando Bacot, who's a high four-star five-star player Caleb Love, a five-star player, De'Aaron Sharp, a five-star player, Walker Kessler, a five-star player. So you see the recruit the recruiting uh, momentum kind of pick back up post-2017. Yeah. So all you have to do is look at the results from say 2004 when Roy Williams first got to Carolina to 2011 and they were getting five stars and you know really great recruits every year. 2011 to 2017, I guess 2017, it dipped a little bit, still great players, but dipped a little bit. And then since then it's taken back off. So yeah. um, you just have to look at the results and it's pretty obvious.
0: It was interesting when, when Vince um, retired and I was watching, I think I was watching the game or I think I was watching something, the highlight package, whatever it was. And I was thinking to myself, I'm sorry, um, not Vince Marvin. Cause Vince was mm-hmm. earlier in the year. And right. I sat there and I thought, you know what, like that is almost as big of an indication of, The struggle of those years, as just you know, just what they had to grind through on campus. Look at the NBA because it used to be Jordan, Worthy, Perkins, da da da. You could go down the line, like in that in Mm the hall or like in the Hall of Fame next door, that list on the wall. Man, Mm -hmm. the NBA was decorated with guys from Carolina, and they didn't just take up a roster spot; they were the top players. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's for me. That was always like. You know, anybody say, why do you like Carolina? And you're like, well, let me list you all the reasons why, you know, because <laughs> it was the NBA. And now you look and there's Kobe. Um, I, I'm sure there's more, but that list Harrison. is really small.
1: Yeah, Harrison's hanging around. Yeah, um, like,
0: having a nice career, but not.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as kind of that next level of, you know, upper tier NBA player, it's it's Kobe right now. I think Cole Anthony could get there. I don't think people should give up on this year, you know, too quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, he had some issues last year, injuries, playing behind some guys when they signed Carmelo. That kind of put him, you know, behind the eight ball. He still has a lot of growth as a player that, yeah. you know, he can go through. Um, but, yeah, I think you're, you're starting to look toward um, the guys in like, – guys like Cole, like I mentioned, yeah. and then the guys in 2020, in addition to the guys in 2018, um, is, is kind of the next crop. And, you know, it's interesting. It's probably a longer conversation, but I, I if you look at Roy Williams, career, career, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't put out all-stars that often. I think Paul Pierce is still the only all-star and I've always wondered, I, I don't have the answer, but I have always wondered there has to be something, you know, he identifies in guys that maybe, you know, some deficiency as far as I shouldn't say deficiency, um, some limitation as far as height or athleticism that maybe he identifies and, knows that, you know, they don't necessarily have that all-star level in them, but they can be very good college players and very good NBA rotation players. I mean, uh, you know, Ray LaFrance and Kurt Heinrich, all those guys were very good and played for a very long time. Um, you know, uh, Drew Good and Nick Collison, all really, really good, but you never thought of them as all-stars. And, and it's like, well, there's got to be something to this. It, it's, you can't be as good as he is and recruited as well as he has for more than 30 years and only have one all star. You you would kind of, you would think you almost kind of fall into one. You know, yeah. for yeah. lack of a better term. So, I, I I don't know the answer to that, but I've always wondered that. Um, you know, Harrison Barnes I think probably was someone who they thought would 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 be that. But outside of him, I can't think of anyone who came into UNC and you ex- under Roy Williams and you expected like, oh, this is a NBA all star level talent. I've yeah. never, I don't think I've thought maybe Marvin just because that was new and and fresh and in his second year at unc um but marvin and harrison are really the only two i can think of honestly yeah, yeah. so yeah, all that to say all that yeah all, all that to say it, it's true that you know they um they are gonna have to if they want to maintain that level as far as um you know nba tradition and everything some guys are gonna have to maybe overachieve a little bit pull a danny green and, and overachieve mm-hmm. um what makes that more difficult is that you know kentucky and duke uh, what they are now didn't exist yes. you know when when Roy first yeah. got to UNC or when coach smith was coaching in the 90s there there wasn't that dynamic where the the goal was was so brazen to say look we're we're we're, we're a pro team we're just a, we're a semi pro team yeah. and uh, i think duke and kentucky have really operated with with that pitch for a while now and it, it resonates with a lot of kids because i mean if someone told me all i had to do was go to kentucky or duke for a year and i have a lottery ticket and i can cash it then that's what I'm going to do. So they have to recruit against that, which is, is a new, a new thing within the last, you know, 10 or 11 years. And then now within the last year or so, they have to compete with the G league. So the talent, the talent just isn't there as much as it was for UNC because Kentucky and Duke are going to take pretty much every year. They're going to take five or six of the top 15 more than likely. And then the G league is going to take, you know, probably three or four of those guys. And then you have Carolina, Kansas, Arizona, the rest of the bunch kind of fighting over what's left. Uh, So it's just, it is a little harder to have um, those kind of stud super athletic, you know, uh, NBA all-star types because there's so many other places they can go uh, to get, you know, similar things.
0: And there's two things I want to ask you in that. One of them, um, I I have an remarkable amount of
1: Duke friends, and I'm not sure why.
0: (laughs) But some of my best friends are Duke fans. Good, good
1: people who make bad decisions with their fandom.
0: (laughs) That's true. I can't help it. I I can't help it. I try, but no, great guys. (laughs) Um, One of them once told me, you know, it's it's cyclical. Like Carolina's up and Duke is down. Duke is up. Carolina's down. I think that's been a little bit true the last few years. This is back in the Hansborough ages. So obviously mm-hmm. was obviously, getting, you know, being dominated by, by Carolina at the time. But my my perception was – and it, maybe this is wrong, and I'm, I'd be interested in your thought. I feel like Duke was successful for a lot of years because Kay would get guys that – like a Nolan Smith, mm-hmm. what, the game his freshman year, player of mm-hmm. the year. And he kept them for four years, Shire. I mean, you could get on the list of guys mm-hmm. that probably – he went out and got these guys, and and by their senior year, junior year, they were – really really good and meantime carolina's over here just raking in talent and they were just outscoring it like they were just doing their thing and now i feel like that has absolutely switched now the game's changed obviously with recruiting and all like you said but i feel like those two have switched now where roy is the one that's developing a guy over three or four years if you can keep them that long you know and and in the meantime k is just the revolving door of five stars like you said is that true do you think
1: yeah I mean look at look at that team with Zion I guess is two years ago now at Duke.
0: Yeah.
1: How was that any different from UNC's like 98 team with right. we had you know Vince Carter and Antoine Jamison and to some degree Adam Okalaja was like the third guy and shamon Williams like it, the teams were built pretty pretty similarly like super athletic high-end you know maybe two or three guys and then there wasn't much left on the bench from there and they had to beat people that way like their stars had to be overwhelming and I think Um, that's kind of where, that's kind of where Duke is right now. And it's a choice that they made. Uh, frankly, to me, it seems like it's a choice they made right after they lost Harrison Barnes. And you talk about cyclical. It's funny because, um, I remember that was, uh, November of 2009, uh, when he announced his decision and everybody thought he was going to go to Duke and he goes to Carolina and Carolina fans were just, they were feeling themselves. They were so excited. They had just come off a national championship and, Hansborough had never lost at Cameron and they had signed Harrison Barnes and they had another recruiting class coming in. That was great from 2009 with, you know, at the time it was, I think it was number one and number two with Travis Ware and Dexter Strickland and McDonald and Henson, like, you know, at the time it looked great on paper. And then you had, you know, already had Kendall, already had Reggie. Then you had Harrison. It was like, man, they, they are set for a long, long time. And, And Zeller was still there. And there was just talent flowing through and you couldn't have told a Carolina fan then, that, hey, in the next few years, Carolina's going to struggle. They're going to go through this academic thing. Duke is going to get, you know, every five-star they want. They're going to be on top of the world.
0: They're yep. going to
1: win the national championship in 2015. They never would have believed you because it seemed like that was going to finally be the thing that started Duke's kind of descent, not into mediocrity, but not being, you know, a top one or two program. Yep. Uh, it reminds me of how people are with Tom Brady. It's like every time there's like a little, a little small, like, you know, uh, thing in the armor, They're like, okay, this is it. Finally, Tom Brady is, you know, not going to be what he was. And, you know, then last week he goes out for 355 and four touchdowns or whatever it was. So, um, you know, but similarly, at the same time, Duke fans in about 2015, 2016 were like, we just signed, you know, Ja Okafor and Tyus Jones and we just won the title. And Carolina has all these four-year guys and they're done. We're hot stuff. We've got it. And then they make, you know, two – you know, they make two Final Fours in a row, and then they're yep. number one seed the next year. So it is cyclical, and we'll, we'll kind of see. I'm not sure where it's going to go next because uh, I think both teams have a, a ton of talent this year, and I think they will for the foreseeable future. But um, it, it's curious because, you know, Roy is not getting any younger, and Coach K isn't getting any younger. So I think whoever makes the best hire when that time comes in the next, you know, four or five, six years, will be the one who kind of ascends and the other one probably will take a step back.
0: Yeah, yeah and that's, that's exactly. I, I, I remember all that. I felt all of that. When you were saying mm-hmm. I, I, I remember watching the Skype announcement and losing my mind. Like we are loaded forever. we going to be loaded. Like you said, right. the bears, I mean, we got two bigs, they're brothers and then everything just went horribly bad. Um, right. But, uh, uh, and I don't want to keep you too long because I appreciate no, you. Your time and, and, and I can do this anytime and hopefully we can do it again. Um, yeah. So let me let me ask you, um with that, I do like this class this year a lot. And maybe I like them too much. Cause I, you know, I've I've fallen in that trap before. Like you said on paper, there's times where you're like, This this is the thing, but I do feel like this team, and I do like the language that I'm hearing, and maybe even something you've written is is what's coming out of there that Roy's not happy.
1: Cause mm-hmm.
0: that's a good thing. Like I keep calling it the revenge tour. I feel like Roy's gonna have if he can, this team's going to be ready. And I love our bigs, um, that we have so many great bigs. Um, I say, we, like, I went there. No, I'm on <laughs> I like their bigs. Um, yeah. I, like, I like, I like what they've done and I like what Roy's put together. Am I, is it fool's gold? <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: you know, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, think about it. If you're, you know, you're, you're Bo Jackson, you've been successful at everything you've ever done. You know, you've, You've been in all star games in, in two different sports you you know you've been a pro bowler you've been uh, you know you've just done everything possible, and then you have the worst year of your entire athletic career. Um, you know I, I don't think you would expect someone to be like, "Oh, you know whatever it, it was a bad year let's move yeah. on these these as you know, the people who are successful at this level of athletics are different they are um, yeah they they' they're just unique people. And I think that motivation that they have to not lose is almost as important as it is to win. And I think uh, Williams has articulated that a little bit um, over his career, how he's tried to enjoy the wins more as as opposed to hating the losses. And so I think though, last year, you know, is his worst season as a head coach since 1988 or 89. Um, And, you know, the only way that those guys know to kind of get over something like that is, is to work harder and and push. And uh, I think you're seeing that in, from the reports that people are, are coming out with early in practice, and it, it was for 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 my money, the recruits that he got were such a perfect match for his demeanor that he 's going to have the majority of this year because all those guys are in their own way super intense and really serious about basketball, like oh, sure, they like to have fun, but there 's not that kind of um, really kind of goofy guy who, yeah. even though he 's a great player he 's just kind of aloof there 's not that yeah. with these six you know freshmen they are all really really serious about basketball and about um the things that it could afford them if they do what they're supposed to do and they all also have a bit of a chip on their shoulder for one reason or yeah. another so i think when you add all that up you know the the losing from last year the way it ended you know the last time we saw carolina basketball they were getting destroyed by syracuse i mean just it, they looked lifeless against syracuse um so add all that together with everything that's happened with. Roy Williams not being able to get out and recruit because he's mentioned several times that recruiting is kind of his solace. It's what he loves to do after a loss. You know, there are several times where they'll have a game against Georgia Tech or somebody and he'll just be like, you know what? I didn't have fun today. I'm going to fly to Las Vegas and watch this kid. Now he might fly to Las Vegas for other reasons because he he loves the poker table. He he loves craps, but, uh, you know, he see a kid in Texas or see a kid in Florida. He'll do that a, a lot because it helps him kind of move on from the losses and he said all this stuff publicly so i'm not breaking any news or anything um but all that to say i really really think that um you know it is a bit of a revenge tour and i think he's gonna do i know he's gonna do everything in his power to make sure that that doesn't happen again i think he feels like he let the program down a little bit and you know he's he's tough on himself and he said that before again things he said in public he's tough on himself and uh i think he wants to make sure that the, the Carolina brand, so to speak, is restored, even though it was just one-off year. He wants right. to make sure that Carolina basketball is back where he and his fans think it should be.
0: And that's the thing about Carolina. When you have one-off year, that's everybody's homecoming parade. Right, um, for sure. And you know, that, especially, I don't want to say it too loud, but they lost to Ohio State, and I live in Columbus. And even, even um, Trill, what's his name? Um, Club Trill. What's uh, – Titus? What is, what is oh, Titus. Name?
1: Yeah, Titus. Yeah, he Titus. He tweeted today. He, <laughs>
0: he tweeted something today, and I just saw it, and I just had to roll my eyes. like, come <laughs> on, man. What, one in nine? One, one win out of the last nine? Come on. I mean, come on. Like, And, and on it was – not Baycott got hurt in the first five minutes. Cole wasn't right. The team was terrible. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> they just had a ton of injuries. Yeah. Ohio State was playing – you know they peaked really early in the season, and they were playing at a high level. they really were, but
1: yeah I was I was going to say that that first half they played well the second half I obviously they didn't play that well Carolina was just that was one of the worst performances i've watched, and I was in school at eight and twenty so i if yeah. anyone's qualified to talk about really bad losses, I am because <laughs> I sat in the Smith Center for all those terrible games, but yeah. that was that was up there um, but yeah, you know i I just think um when it comes to Carolina, people like to settle scores and you know, it doesn't happen often. You think about Carolina fans. How often do they reference Pete Gaudet and Duke in 1995? Right. Like all the time, because that was the really the last time that they were, you know, really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so whenever you get a chance, because it doesn't happen often, you have to take advantage of it. That's yeah. what a lot of fans did. And um, <clears throat> I think all that stuff is, is, you know, sometimes the motivation stuff can get overrated. Yeah. But I think for this particular team at this particular time, it's not. And I think they'll remember that and they'll kind of channel that.
0: Well, I love to hear it, and, and based on my years of experience, um, watching and reading, and, and so I again, I you're a lifeline for me. Um, you know, Adam Lucas. It, first of all, is he as great as he seems? Because he really seems like a great. Yeah,
1: you know, I actually never met him in person. Okay, I actually never met him in person.
0: He but I mean, his, awesome. his
1: name, his reputation precedes him. You know, and um, his
0: writing but, is fantastic. Just even right. as a writer, so right? Again, even if he was writing on, not about Carolina, he just nails it every time. And, and right. You know, especially after a tough loss or something you know, like he just reading his stuff just makes you feel better. So if you do ever run into him, let him know he's got some fans in Columbus, because I have another friend that lives here that we're uh, uh, we're, we're obviously big fans. And, and uh, he, we always talk about Adam Lucas. Like, did you read it? Did you read it? And right. Right. All the time. Like, you got to read this because. Right. It's that it's that thing that makes you feel a little better after a long mm-hmm. something. He just captures it every time. Makes you feel like you were there. You know, he's right. A fantastic writer. So. Right. For sure. Uh, yeah. Well, man, we got to do this again, and and hopefully, uh, maybe we'll we'll come on during the Revenge Tour. I did see today. Did you see today? The, the well, two announcements: Iowa potentially for Big Ten Challenge, mm-hmm. uh, which who knows if that's even going to happen. Yeah, um, and then um, Ohio State for the CBS made-for-TV Championship Classic or whatever in
1: Cleveland. I know. I was I, I thought about you. I was like, huh, if there's fans, you know, maybe you can make it. Two hours away. I would say that's not far. Yeah, it's not far. As no, well. no, that's yeah.
0: the beauty of it. That we've so we always have. So I'm three from Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, three from Pitt. I think I'm three from Notre Dame. So every year we look at the calendar and we we see what game can we get to and get home. And so sometimes we've I've even with football. I went over and watched Pitt play um, Carolina on a Thursday night game. Matt mm-hmm. Switzer and all that. It was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah. The ACC title, I think, or the lead or the championship of, not the championship. They were up. They were tied for first. mm Mm-hmm. Carolina went in there and, and uh, we had a great night. Got home about is three this morning.
1: Is that the one Switzer returned a couple of punts? Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was a close game, and then everybody around us, all the Pitt fans, were like second half team, and then Carolina just came out and did their thing. It was great. Mm-hmm. That was, that was those were a couple of fun years, and I love Mac mm-hmm. being back. I think you said something too that that I've heard Mac say that Roy, you know, he's enjoying the wins more and he's not getting so hung up on the losses. I think I've heard them say that about Mac quite a bit in his return as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think about it from a personal perspective. My dad is 71. So he's, I think, a year older than Roy. And, you know, you know, we don't live forever. Right. And I think as you, especially when you, something about 70 with my dad, I think hit him pretty hard. Like, wow i'm 70 he thinks yeah. of himself like he's still 35 but uh <laughs> I, I think you know once you hit that point you start to realize that you know the years in front of you are, are much fewer than the years behind you right. and you have to start appreciating things while you're here and not i don't mean to sound morbid or anything but i think it is something that kind of clicks for people um and, and it's different ages but I, I do think um it's for mac i think it's because he lost it you know he he admitted that things didn't end the way he wanted to Um, in Texas and the time off kind of revived him especially being back at Carolina because the first time I don't think things ended the way that anybody wanted when he Mm -hmm. left the first time and so being able you know 20 some years later to come back to help rebuild a program that he loves very much I think um, you know it's just easier and and you you have different perspectives in life same thing with you know Roy Williams I think um, he still hates losing. Don't get me wrong. Like really, really hates losing. Uh, but he's, he said that just as he's gotten older and, you know, had grandkids and his children are getting older that, you know, perspective is, is very important. And, and sometimes it's age for people, sometimes it's experience. But I think for these guys, even as Uber competitors at the top of the food chain, you know, it still happens to them too.
0: Yeah absolutely all right last two questions and i promise i'm gonna let you go because oh, I, 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 I mean I, I really want to do this again i've enjoyed this so much i mean you are, like it's so good to uh to just want talk to you meet you um just uh, again a huge fan of everything you do and, and following you so i appreciate uh, that last two questions here um if roy resigned today who takes over
1: oh man oh god <laughs> i wasn't expecting bad. that this might be a pass i don't know you said you said today
0: Let's just say Roy pulls a Dean Smith, walks in, uh-huh. and says, I'm done. Who's taking over? Yeah, Steve, oh, I Robinson think Steve Ro- Steve Robinson takes over. Right. Yeah. But let's I, say, all right, so Roy retires. Mm-hmm. You you touched on it. Roy and Kay. So that's the second question is right. the other guy. What who's taking over?
1: Man, that is that is hard. I think there'd be a national search, honestly. Um Really. I think yeah, I think there would be a situation where um there'd be factions within um, the, within Carolina. So you would have kind of the traditionalists who want someone who believes that the coach Smith coach Williams DNA is an absolute requirement for Carolina basketball and that not having it makes it not Carolina basketball. Yeah. So I think there'd be that group. And then there'd be the other group that say Carolina basketball is about winning and excellent. And, you know, you should try to win and be excellent no matter how it looks stylistically. Mm. Um, so I think there'd be that, that group. And then in the middle would be Bubba Cunningham. And I think uh, he would have the final decision, but I think Roy Williams would have a lot of input on that decision considering, you know, Carolina had to lure him, you know, it took the second time for Carolina to lure him. And then he stayed at UNC, you know, in spite of everything that happened during the 2000, you know, 2010 to 2020 or 2010 to 2017, basically. So I think he would make his uh, desires well known. Yeah. So I'm dodging your question because I'm trying to think <laughs> the actual answer. a couple, um, of
0: names, couple of names I always thought of. I'll just, I'll, yeah. I'll give you a few. Well, a few. First of all, Hubie D. Could, could Hubie D. Do it or no?
1: <sighs> he could, but I, I think you know when, when Roy Williams got the job at Kansas, he was Carolina's third assistant, and then they hired him to take over one of college basketball's best programs. Yeah. That won't happen today, right? Um, you know, to. you know, I, I think. I'll take that back. That won't happen where another blue blood hires the third assistant from another school to be their head coach. Right. Could it happen at UNC if, if rolling Williams pushed hard enough and said, I really believe in this guy, give him four years to try to figure things out. You know, he's got the coach Smith DNA. He's got my DNA. You know, he was a player in the NBA. He, he exudes confidence. He's everything that we want as a head coach at Carolina. I think he could convince Bubba Cunningham. Um, to to hire him, whether or not Coach Davis is ready, you know I don't I don't know if it's fair for me to say. Yeah. Um, I just think that's a big stretch from going from being an assistant for seven or eight years to head coach of Carolina. Yeah, that's 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 a big that's a heavy ask for someone. So it even for someone like him, maybe it would be in their best interest to go somewhere else and be a head coach for a few years. I don't know, yeah. um, but I I don't know if he can do it or not. I would just say that that would be very very difficult. So. I'm gonna go T B D on that one. Okay. The name I've the name I've always thought and I think people um maybe there is some history with Roy, so maybe it wouldn't happen. But if he was available, like Billy Donovan to me would be right. like a home run, like yep. you couldn't do any better than that. You know, now he's he's got another job. So um I, I guess or has he has he got another job? Yeah. I know he
0: Somebody in the NBA. he's with the
1: Bulls. He's with the Bulls. Yes, you're the, right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's kind focused. of out of. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of out of the mix. But whenever someone asks, I'm like, oh, Billy Donovan would be absolutely perfect. From there, I
0: was go, I, I was gonna go with a different BD. Who's that? Go. Um. Well, no. Is did I say it right? Brad. Brad. What's Brad Davis? Is that his name? The Celtics. Brad,
1: Oh, Brad Stevenson. Brad Stevenson. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah, BS. yeah. yeah. Oh, Brad I, Stevens. I, Brad Stevens. Sorry. Yeah. And,
0: and so I have a friend that told me an inside story about, about Brad Stevens. When, when mm-hmm. he got the call for the Celtics, you know, he was in a pretty sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And he called Thad Mata because they are, you know, good friends and, and you know, the, the um, Butler connection. And so he called Thad and Thad said, Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go make more money than you've ever made. And I'm telling you right now, you will get fired. <laughs> because, I mean, they were horrible, right? Mm. But they were loaded with picks and they made some trades and things. But mm. at the time, they were bad. He goes, you, You're going to get fired. And he mm. said, Go make more money than you can even imagine. And then when you get fired, you're going to have any college job you want. Because he's, right. you know, and all he's done is actually risen his stock even more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so if he wanted to exit the NBA, I always thought, man, that's a guy. That, that potentially would have a nice long career, and maybe it's going to be at Duke. I don't know. <laughs> a lot I don't know. That guy goes to a blue blood.
1: A lot of people think that. And see, that goes back to my question about stylistically and DNA and all that stuff, because the style of play that he had at Butler, whether or not he keeps that up at UNC, um, is very uh, very good. different. It's, it's a 180. From, you know, North Carolina's kind of up and down under Roy and to right. some degree under Coach Smith. So I, there are a lot of people I, I have friends who feel that that core principle of up tempo big man basketball is so, um, you know, permanent for UNC that you know, going away from it would be basically eliminating Carolina basketball. I I don't know if some people agree. I'm sure there are a lot of people, but I think that's a consideration that would come up. I think if Bubba Cunningham is still the athletic director, you kind of have to look at his football hires to give you maybe um, some uh, thought into how he might approach a basketball hire. Now, obviously it's a little different for a variety of reasons, but with Larry Fedora, he was fine taking someone from, uh, you know, I guess a lower level. I'm, in quotations, a lower level yeah. of football and asking them to come up and see if they could do things. And, you know, for all the flack he gets, you know, Fedora did get, take Carolina to the ACC championship game, which is, in, you know, they're probably their third or fourth best year in, in 30 years. So mm-hmm. he did give them that. He gave them a lot of excitement. And uh, yeah. for the first part, sold a lot of tickets. So I wouldn't call that hire a failure. Right. <clears throat> I think it just, you know, the natural course of things, you don't really expect coaches to be at places, you know, 10, 15, 20 years most of the time. You have to have someone really special that you found for that to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then he hired Mac Brown. So yeah. two very, very different hires, really, to me, on the end of the spectrum. One, a retired coach who had been working for ESPN for five years, who yeah. had coached there 20 years before, and the other, kind of an uppercomer, younger guy from a small school. So I think he's shown his versatility in how he looks at hiring. So it, it's, it's really hard to handicap, honestly. Right. I would just say that there's going to be that fight kind of uh, to, <laughs> to use uh, uh, a campaign slogan for the, for the soul of Carolina basketball. Right. Because it's, it's, right. it's going to be the, the two camps. And then Roy's going to have his say. But I think Bubba's going to make sure that he doesn't uh, make an emotional hire mm-hmm. or make a hire out of pressure. So you're mm-hmm. gonna have all that stuff and and boosters. It's it's gonna be very Game of Thrones ish whenever it happens. I think so.
0: Um, it'll be fun to cover. I think you don't have to
1: answer the question then. <laughs>
0: we'll save that one for the next podcast. Yeah,
1: I, I'm trying to. I mean, I, honestly, I can't think of any name. Like, I'm answering the. I'm I'm thinking out loud, and as I'm thinking, out loud. I'm like, we well, have, have to consider this, and you have to consider this, and you have to consider that. Um, so, I, honestly, I have no idea. I'm sure there's like three names that they have in in the desk and absolutely. Uh, you know, that they are, would want, but I, I have no idea who they are.
0: I was always kind of hoping it was Buzz Williams because I'm just a Buzz Williams guy. Like, mm. I really think he's great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I thought he did a good thing by getting out of Virginia tech while he could, he went made his mark. And now he's someone, cause he's never going to win. He wasn't going to win in the ACC. Virginia tech. I just, right. you know, he's, we, we all know that it's the same as Ohio state, Michigan here in the big 10 it's, you right. know, in football, you're, you're always going to be fighting a battle. You may never win. You might win some I, games, and, and, but I don't think
1: you're going to win the ACC. Right, I, I thought Shaka might be the guy. Honestly, um, a long time he hasn't yeah. really moved out in Texas. He hasn't know. done anything. Yeah, it, I've I've been. I'm not sure what the issue is because he's recruited, you know, as well if not better than Carolina for some of those years. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it's one and done talent or players not buying into what he was doing at VCU. But he kind of to me, I, I thought I was like, this is a guy they can get. He's a guy who's coached, you know, kind of in the region who would come to Carolina, you know, it seemed like a perfect fit. He was winning in a small place and, you know, making his mark. And it just hasn't worked out as well as I think anyone wanted in Texas for whatever reason. I feel like they don't play with chaos. Yeah. Yeah. They they don't. They don't. I don't oh, know why he left you, it. Uh, your
0: point, you brought in five, no, no disrespect to any five-star, but the five-stars don't have a chip on their shoulder that says, "I'm." Um, you know, think about VCU. Those guys bought because they, they had, they weren't a five-star. They right. were underrated. They had chips on their shoulders and they would, play just break neck all, all game long. And right. then, you know, I don't think he has that at Texas. To your point, he's playing more talent. And those guys probably don't want to, I don't want to say they don't want to fight that hard, but they don't have that that get down on the floor chaos. That, and it, so when I watch a Texas game now, I'm like, where's chaos? Because that, yeah, that
1: was awesome. That's a great point, man. I mean, well, well, I always talk about Kenny Williams and how, you know, people are like, oh, he's a bulldog and this. He was committed and signed to VCU before, yeah. to Shaka before mm-hmm. Carolina. Um, and, and so I, I, he's the kind of perfect, perfect, in my mind, Shaka player. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just that, that the talent level and, and what he wants to do schematically just don't, aren't matching up because those guys you know, don't want to do all that. I, it, that's as good as, as any explanation I've heard because it is kind of puzzling because you know, I yeah. consider him a really good coach.
0: Yeah, he's a great coach. He actually grew, uh, went to college about eight miles from where I did up here in um, Ohio, a real small school called Kenyon.
1: Oh, I I, so random story. I know Kenyon College for one reason. So I told you to bring stuff all the way back full circle that I went into uh, corporate communications. Yeah. So the company that I worked for was a small was a company called Corning uh, Incorporated. And (laughs) um, it's headquartered in Corning, New York, but they have an office in Hickory, North Carolina, which is uh, home of uh, of course, I forget his name now. Um, Brad Dorty? No, uh, Rick Barnes, Rick Barnes, Tennessee okay. head coach Rick Barnes is from Hickory, North Carolina. He went to Lenore Ryan College, which is in Hickory. Um, anyway, the CEO of the company I worked for, his name is Clark Kinlan. He went to Kenyon College. Really? So, yeah. It's, it's almost like Duke. It's real <laughs> small, you know, yeah. and it's got the kind of
0: gothic kind of. Mm-hmm. To it. Um, great school. We used to go over there and hang out a lot because um, I went to a little Nazarene school. So mm-hmm. we go over there and get in trouble. But anyway, right. podcast. So. All right. So that's your, that's your assignment. Cause as I want to do this again, um, you got to come <laughs> up with your list of five coaching prospects for Duke and Carolina and maybe throw Kentucky in there if you got time.
1: Um, see, I think, I think Duke will, I think Duke might would just go ahead and hire John Shire. I, I think I see that coming for them. Yeah. I just don't know if, if Carolina is at the same place um, because You know, and whenever somebody says no disrespect, they're usually about to disrespect. Um, But I think Carolina, even though I know Duke has had some historical success, Duke is much more of a Coach K program. And I think Carolina is much more of a program. I mean, Carolina has, I think, two of the five best coaches of all time in college basketball. no one no one comes even close and in addition to that they have another coach who made a final four in in uh bill guthridge and another coach even though people don't talk about him who was ap coach of the year matt doherty so i I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a school even with the way that you know tenure ended you know bill guthridge actually went to two final fours as a head coach excuse me his final year he went to the final four um so what other program do you know of that has three coaches three head coaches who went to multiple final fours and You'd be hard-pressed, uh, you know, I might look that up after this. You'd be hard-pressed to find it. But I think it's going to be um, a little bit easier for Duke to transfer the reign just because um, whatever um, – anyone who's coming in contact or being in Coach K's orbit, I think they're going to want to keep that kind of quality around. Yeah. Whereas Carolina, I think they're going to go for um, someone at least who's kind of in the middle, maybe yeah. who has some outside ideas but still has some of that connective tissue to Coach Smith and to Coach Williams.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, I think you're right. And I do think that if there's there's a Coach K factor, whether we all want to admit it or not. And there's a factor that that at some point in the game, when he casts his shadow, that John Shire's not going to be able to cast that shadow.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's you know, they always they always say you want to be the guy who replaces the guy. Not
0: the guy that replaces right. the guy. Right, yeah. You want to be the guy who, re-
1: yeah, you want to be third, not second. Like, you know, um, so I yeah, I'm with you. I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, man,
0: I appreciate your time. I appreciate you so much. Uh, you, you you said this right before we got on, and it stuck with me, um, that you can pretty well put together somebody based on just following them along long enough on Twitter. I'm, I'm ruining the quote, because, but you said it much better. But but your point was, you know, you can follow somebody and really kind of put together a pretty good feel of what they're about and who they are. And, mm. and uh, I already had huge, um, not only expectations, I already had huge thoughts of you. And now I'm, I just think even more. Like, this was oh. great. Uh, I appreciate it, man. It's been good. It's enjoy been our great. time. It's a lot of fun, and uh, again, thanks for being that lifeblood for us. Um, I, we really appreciate it, and keep doing what you're doing. We uh, get us through a revenge tour. Get us, get us at least in the final four. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, and you know, just a, a quick shout. Just urge everybody if you're interested in North Carolina sports, just check out InsideCarolina.com. That's who uh, I write for. Uh, we feel like we have a pretty good product, so check us out.
0: Yeah, and then I'll put. I'll put. I'll, and I usually ask that, man. Thank you for. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> i was just trying links. to get in there before the end. <laughs> oh, links, links. So uh, InsideCarolina.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've you been on some podcasts, and a lot of those are, in, you're on the Inside Carolina podcast sometimes too, right? You still yeah, here?
1: so so I do sometimes during the season, I'll I probably say half of the time, uh, Dewey Burke, who was a walk-on and played at Carolina um, with Tyler Hansborough and that group, yeah. um, he'll do the post-game podcast, and then probably half the time i'll do them and then i have another one um, that i'm on called coast to coast which is kind of a hybrid recruiting slash current team podcast uh with sean moran it's hosted by joey powell and we do that um off season we do that every other week and then i think during the season we'll do it every week is joey
0: powell ever going to come back to twitter
1: i don't think so Uh, he's yeah it's it's yeah i don't think so he was a favorite Uh, for me yeah he's favorite follow he's joey's a really good guy he does um he does really important work um if if i'm allowed another plug he works for an organization called Mifon. um basically they assist families who uh have children in the hospital whether it's paying medical bills or you know giving a place to stay or paying for food so the organization he works for does really good work and i think he just really wanted to 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 focus on that because you know twitter can be as good as it is where people like me and you can meet and right. talk and exchange ideas, it also can be uh, kind of the sewer. So yeah. I think he was getting, I think there was too much sewer coming his way. So he just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take my, take my talent elsewhere. He's, he's still very active in the Carolina community, just kind of behind the scenes and right. on IC doing podcasts. So.
0: And did you, did you give us the link for Mifon?
1: Uh I think it's just MeFindFoundation.org, I okay. believe is what I'll it is. I'll find it. I'll yeah. find it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but let him know he's got fans uh, that
0: miss him. because uh, okay. hey, uh, he sure. he get in there on Twitter and mix it up. He get in them Twitter wars. Yeah, you know, kinda, he was. was. like watching a car wreck, you know. Uh we're, <laughs> not so we, watch. But,
1: we're but, from this. We enjoy it from the same hometown. Went to the same uh, high school. Uh, his little sister, um, who uh she likes a, a different persuasion of blue if you will oh. uh me and her have been arguing about those two schools since like second grade yeah um so they're just really good people
0: yeah well it doesn't surprise me that they hang out with you then because that's uh, uh i'm a big fan so i'm gonna go listen to some kurt franklin all right <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do this again man thank you so much i appreciate your time
1: yes man yes sir right. i said yes, sorry. yes sir all right <laughs> all right
0: see you